Are you or anyone else you know interested in buying or selling a home? How about saving the planet? Climate Change Realty is the only company operating in all 50 states that allows you to create thousands of dollars in donations absolutely for free. Yes, that's right. Our service and your donations are free. Climate Change Realty can connect you with one of the best real estate agents in your city. And because of that connection, a full 25% of your real estate agent's commissions will be donated to a 501c3 nonprofit organization of your choice. Real estate agents earn between 2 to 3% of the final sales price when they help you buy or sell a home. That's at least $500 donated for every $100,000 worth of real estate sold when you find your real estate agent with Climate Change Realty. Visit www.ccrbolder.com today and click Find an Agent to help us transform the real estate market into a battery for the regenerative economy. Welcome to the podcast. Ariel, really great to meet you. Thanks so much for taking some time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ethan. I really appreciate the opportunity to join you. Yeah, we're delighted to have you and what your company's doing is really cool. Excited to get into it. But before we do, we always like to get a little bit of background on who you are and how you got to be doing what you're doing at the current moment. Yeah, um, I have a pretty varied background, like actually a lot of people coming into the climate space. Um I've always been an environmentalist and I was raised by parents who work in the public health space. So the intersection of social and environmental issues have always been pretty clear and important to me. Um, but I started out working on like social impact issues, um, came into the environmental space after a while working on um, harm reduction and in documentary film by pivoting into the um, sustainable food industry. Um, which is adjacent to climate, but not directly in that space. Um, and while I was working in some sustainable food companies in uh, New York City, I had the opportunity to get my MBA and realized I wanted to work like real directly on climate and equity. And um, after I moved out here to Colorado, I, I had the opportunity to join Block Power and um, their particular intersection of climate and equity issues and their perspective on how to address them is really unique and powerful. And I was really thrilled to have the opportunity to join. Is there like a, a New York connection? Cause I know that they're like based in New York. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate enough to know Donnell for a while and have been following block power for a long time since when I did live in New York. Um, so that connection is there. Um, the company is based in Brooklyn, but has expanded uh, well beyond working in California, in um, the Mid-Atlantic, the Southeast, uh, the Midwest, and now expanding into Colorado as well. So we're distributed largely these days post-pandemic or during the pandemic, we closed the office. And so everyone's working remote, uh, even though we are New York based. Cool. Well, welcome to Colorado. We're happy to have you. We need your help. Um, could, could you give a little bit more detail on your, your interest in social impact work? You said it's kind of just who you are, but have you really thought about why it is who you are? Yeah. I mean, I, I really think it comes down to the family I was raised in and the values that my parents shared. Um, they always worked on in jobs, uh, with impact in mind and, um, in that public health space. And I think their centering of the needs of the community was a value that we had shared my brother and i shared as we were raised and finding ways to give back finding ways to be involved finding ways to look beyond our needs to the needs of the community and understand how interconnected we all are um were things that you know happened on the daily weekly basis um going to protest or you know, not eating grapes because Cesar Chavez uh, was leading the farm workers on um, a uh, a boycott um, and a strike. You know, all, all of these things sort of become part of your day to day life, the the values that your parents live or that, that your community espouses. And so that the the values of um, human rights and health and public health were all part of um, woven into like my daily um, upbringing. And so I think that that just deeply impacted how I view the world and what I see is uh, my obligation to uh, how I engage personally and professionally um, 
just like as a human. Yeah. Thank you. I, I like I like to get the background. You know, get get a that's the good background. Yeah, get beyond the the little soundbite beyond my talking point. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important before we kind of get into talking the detail of how people like propagate their values and what they do is to understand what they are and how they came to that conclusion. Because I think a lot of people struggle to unite what they believe with what they do every day. And I think that's so important for not only having impact, but for having a, a happy, a happy life, even if it's not creating a large impact, at least you're, you're doing something, whether it's for your community, or at least for yourself. I think that's really important. So could you um, elaborate a bit more on this amazing mission that drew you to work at Block Power and tell me what what Block Power is as well? Sure. Before I do that, I just want to take one moment and say, like, I think it's a privilege to be able to do work that is directly an impact. And I know that not everyone has that opportunity. And I think it can be difficult for people who want to live their values through work um, when they feel stuck and they feel like they're doing a job that's more about punching the clock or, you know, just paying the bills or getting by because this is a hard world to live in in a lot of ways. And so I think beyond just being able to give back, I feel like it's an immense privilege for me to have a job in the space that's connected to my purpose. Um, so I want to name that because I think um, these sort of advantages that we have, I don't want to just like um, look look at that without gratitude. Um, and I also want to say sure. there's a lot of ways to be connected uh, to purpose beyond just jobs, as I know you know. Um, Definitely. From, uh, from a lot of different ways, right? But what drew me to block power is the um, sort of audacity of the goal and the absolute willingness to um, look at the way things are and say it doesn't have to be that way. Um, the vision that our um, founder and co-founder have to bring smarter, healthier, greener buildings to everyone uh, in the U.S., is enormous and it is taking on um, entrenched systems and processes and just the way things are in a lot of different spaces. And I think it's just the kind of bold vision and scale and scope that's needed. Um, the company had put together, um, you know, uh, some really amazing software has put together incredible financing, which I can explain more later, and uh, a, a turnkey approach that breaks down barriers and is really looking at going into the communities where people aren't thinking about serving the needs of uh, property owners and residents and saying, this is where we're going to center this green just transition and we're going to bring jobs while we're doing it. And we're going to make sure that every building and every residence is smarter and healthier and greener. Um, and so that audacity, I think, is what drew me to it. I'm on board. How do they get started? Like, who do they start servicing and how did it work? Um, yeah, the company was founded about eight years ago uh, by Danelle Baird and Keith Kinch uh, in Brooklyn, as I mentioned. And they started out um, right. doing um, uh, energy efficiency work and finding ways to um use software to cut out um, estimation costs and use some predictive modeling. And um, in the past several years, moving into the building decarbonization space. So bringing um, electric appliances into buildings to replace gas-fueled space heating. So gas-fueled furnaces and oil boilers um, to replace those with uh, air source heat pump, HVACs, and to also replace um, gas hot water, as well as gas stoves, which we know cause so many indoor air quality issues. And so they've had success yeah. through federal um, opportunities, through uh, New York specific opportunities, California, all sorts of stuff. They started in the space of um, primarily multifamily and uh, houses of worship in New York City. Um, and we've had a lot of success in that space, which is oftentimes overlooked um, because it's very hard <laughs> to reach those types of buildings. And they've expanded. We've expanded into um, single family, mixed use, small commercial. Um, so building on that initial success of energy efficiency, moving into electrification, moving into new building types. That's how they got started and they've grown. 
Yeah. So one thing when I think, obviously I'm a real estate broker, so I think about this kind of stuff a, a fair amount. Um, one thing we're going to kind of leave off the table today is something I want people to be really aware of, which is now because I'm on a podcast, I'm forgetting the word, but it's the <laughs> the emissions that it takes to to build the building. The embodied, the embodied carbon. Embodied carbon. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Yes. You're welcome. Um, the embodied carbon. Yeah, let's go. Um, is a conversation I'll have for another day. So we're going to focus on the like the operations emissions of a building today, which is um, kind of things that we can work that your company is specifically dealing with. So when it comes to energy that is being used by either a, a group of people that are working on a, a company or a place of worship or or dwelling directly in a building, what is like in the pecking order the largest source of greenhouse gas emissions for for like buildings? Space heating is the number one source of energy usage and therefore greenhouse gas emissions, um, followed by hot water um, and uh, lighting and then cooking and other ancillary um, Okay, usage. so it's like, and then where does cooling come into that? I guess it yeah. depends on the geographical location. Yeah, so space it? heating and cooling, I guess, is the 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 shorthand for that. Um, yeah, it does depend on the climate zone, um, where the peak load is going to be for usage um, in terms of energy usage. If it's the summer or winter peak load, uh, and you know, I don't want to get into the nitty gritty too much of engineering mm-hmm. or that type of work because that's not what I do. Sure, and I'm happy to. Um, punt that to another guest that you can have from my company <laughs> on the engineering side. But um, the space heating is, is pretty much number one in cold climates. Um, and uh, if it is using oil or gas fueled um, equipment, it's even worse than electric in terms of energy usage, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. So um, any of them would be the, the largest usage of energy. Um, but if it's oil and gas fired uh, heating equipment, it's going to be even worse in terms of greenhouse gas emissions than an electric, um, very efficient electric heating and cooling equipment. Okay, so so correct me if I'm wrong. We're we're going to keep it really simple. Let's um, simplify. Heating the air, yeah, yeah, heating the air number one, heating the water number two, and then like lights and TVs and stuff after that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And um, that's in terms of the actual total usage. In terms of impact, we'd also want to talk about indoor air quality with stoves at some point. But yes, in terms of the actual size of greenhouse gas emission impact. Yep. Yeah. So the stove, the stove thing is actually the, the health of the person living in the building being affected rather than the health of the whole biosphere kind of thing, right? That's right. Yeah, cool. So so what exactly does like the retrofitting process look like at Block Power and what what is retrofitting? How do we fix or decarbonize these these essential things that we all kind of need whether we're working or living there? In a very simple sense, it means replacing these oil and gas fired fueled uh appliances with electric, um efficient new electric equipment. Um people may be familiar uh with resistance heat um, electric resistance heat, people are familiar with AC, but there's um, air source heat pumps are um, the most efficient space heating and cooling equipment that exists. And um, in North America, at least, um, it's considered pretty new technology. It's been around for a long time. It's the most popular technology in Europe and Asia. Um, but in terms of uh, adoption here in the US, that is new equipment. So it means replacing a gas furnace, um, a oil boiler, um, electric resistance heat with more efficient, cleaner electric space heating in terms of air source heat pumps, which are both cooling and heating equipment. And so they can cool or heat your home um, in the winter or the summer. And then it's also replacing um, gas um, uh, hot water heaters with uh, electric heat pump hot water heaters. There's also some people, probably not as much in our community uh, here in Colorado, but some people have gas um, clothing dryers. So it's replacing that. Um, And then of course the gas uh, stoves with uh, electric or induction stoves. There's other gas appliances we can talk about, but yeah, there's other gas appliances. Some people have a gas heated pool. So there's electric 
pool pumps. There's all sorts of electric replacements for gas and oil fueled um, appliances in our homes. Uh, but the primary ones that uh, we start with are the number one ones that you're talking about in terms of um, uh, the volume of impact, the size of impact. So the space heating and the hot water and then the stoves. Oh, I never thought about that. I mean, this is before my, my climate crusade began, but we had a, a giant gas heated pool heater. And I remember I would go over and I would turn up the... At your home growing up? Yeah, yeah. And I, I would turn up the thing and it would go, and then and then like my dad would my dad would come down the next morning and put his finger in the pool and then he'd be like, Ethan, he would get so mad because the gas bill would be really high. Because you turned it into a hot tub, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I turned the pool into, oh, it was great. And then for my birthday party, everyone remembers the pool would be like 95 degrees. But now, you know, looking back, it's a lot of... It's a lot of gas being burned, but um, okay. So for example, I'm in, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's like a, a big impact. Oh. You, you spent a lot on that birthday party in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, but yeah. Oh, they were great. Um, so I'm, I live in Ringwood, New Jersey. I have a single family house and I want to call block power. And I'm like, I want to decarbonize my house. What is like that process look like? Like at least the initial like spec or like inspection and how, how do they go about deciding how they're going to do it and pricing it. It's awesome. I am so excited to talk about this. Yes. So um, it is, there's a, um, uh, we have really great software. Our software team is enabling our sales and engineering team to get property owners quotes and specs faster and easier than um, ever before. A property owner can go into our website and um, fill out a little bit of information about the size and type of building that they have, the age of their home, the age of their heating equipment and their hot water, um, some of their goals um, and desires, and they'll get information back about what the recommended um, uh, measures and changes are. And they can take an opportunity to connect with our sales team and talk through what that is. Um, it's just an incredible tool uh, based on data that our team has uh, compiled from national and local data sets, um, understanding a lot about building science, understanding a lot about energy usage and modeling um, so that it cuts out some of the costs, it cuts out some of the time, it really tightens up that process um, lowering the cost in the end for the project, um, making it faster for the property owner and making it really feasible for us to ultimately target, you know, 125 million buildings throughout the whole country. Um, but so they start by going to our website, filling out a form, getting, sharing a little bit of information about their building and getting some great recommendations back and talking to our sales team. Ultimately, should they decide to move forward, we would get a site visit, we work with local contractors on the ground um, to um, complete the project scope and the actual implementation, um, but they always work with block power. So it's a real turnkey model approach where they get to just talk to us. We get to deal with pulling permits. We get to deal with scoping the project and sizing it, getting designs in or um, coordinating the contractors and the subcontractors. Um, as well as we offer financing. And so um, property owners can just call us and that's how it works. But the software itself is really cool and it, it cuts out a lot of the time and and um, it's just a cool experience. I really recommend it. Yeah. Well, speaking of time, I mean, y'all couldn't have come around at a better time. Like this is like, per we really need this service. So I, I appreciate it a lot. I guess it, it essentially will come down a lot to anything that is currently powered by gas needs to be switched to electric is like the main idea, right? That is definitely, that's the story. Um, we need to stop burning oil and gas in our buildings as uh, one of our lines is, is we're turning buildings into Teslas. And so as um, combustion engines are being taken out of vehicles, and we are we know how important that is for the transportation sector to electrify to reduce um, the emissions from cars and buses and trucks 
we also need to do the same for our buildings. So taking out all of that, um, like the individual appliances need to be taken out so that we can stop delivering gas to buildings. We can stop drilling for gas and oil. Um, it, it's a holistic thing. Um, I will also say people will oftentimes say, well, what about the electricity? You know, there's coal-fired electricity plants or there's gas power plants, like all of that. Yep, like those things need to to convert too. We need we we really encourage on-site solar, um, community solar. Um, we believe that renewables are the way to go, um, but Block Power is really focused on the individual building decarbonization aspect, bringing taking out like just tearing out those oil and gas appliances and replacing them with all electric in terms of like that last mile sort of thing of oil and gas What do you do with the appliances when you pull them out? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question that I don't know the answer to. I will have to ask our construction and operations team. Um, You know, we... I'm sorry, I didn't tell you that before. That's something I just thought of right now. No, it's a great question. I I know that we, you know, we work with construction teams, uh, our, our local... Um, contractors are all engaged in um, responsible disposal because there are refrigerants in, say, if they're taking out an old AC and putting in a new HVAC system, um, you need to be responsible in terms of your disposal of equipment and materials. Um, I know that that's part of our, our work, but I honestly don't know the details of it because I'm not involved in our project operations and our construction side. So that's a great question, and I'll ask our team. Uh, I'll email you later, and you can update the the audience sometime. Oh, I will. Don't worry. Yeah, no, I'm sure. I'm sure there's there's something going on with it because that's like a lot of stuff. You know, there's this interesting. Um, I guess there's like kind of three buckets. There's like the climate bucket, and then there's like the people who are focused on biodiversity, which is like connected. And then there's also like the waste stream, which is related to climate change, but kind of its own like separate thing as well, which is also related to biodiversity because we're flooding their environments with plastic that kills them. But um, I kind of tie them all together and see see what I can do. No, the systems are all interconnected. You're completely right. I will say that most of our retrofits... um, in terms of the best economic bang for the buck, uh, generally, and in terms of just the um, property owners when they are looking to do this replacement, it's oftentimes at or near the end of life for this type of equipment. So, you know, HVAC systems typically have like a 12 to 15 year lifespan. You can lengthen that through excellent maintenance and operations, but that's typically a lifespan and that's paired to our financing, which I definitely want to explain a little bit about our lease model at some point, but um, people have to replace these equipment anyway. So that is um, something that, you know, obviously the recycling and reuse of materials is a huge issue that you've identified. That's like part of construction, part of retrofitting. Absolutely. But this stuff is happening anyway. Um, We're not, um, saying that somebody who retrofit or who, who like got a new HVAC this year is going to replace it this year. We're not necessarily going to suggest that right away. We're going to say like closer to the end of lifespan, although we are trying to accelerate that and make it all happen by 2030 in a lot of places. Well, thank you for doing that. That's cool. That's what I was going to say is I wonder if you, are you targeting more like end of use case customers or because I'm, I'm trying to understand what is like speaking of like money and financing let's get into that what what is the incentive that a customer would have to use your product beyond just climate benefits totally um and i appreciate you asking that you know like, like i mentioned um the end of use um for hvac lifespan or hot water heater is you know a property owner who's already going to be replacing it is oftentimes in the market for something newer and better anyway if they happen to also have uh climate concerns sweet spot but it doesn't have to be that um we really believe that the equipment that we're installing is better performing it provides better comfort and control and um 
it improves the value of properties generally is what we're seeing uh, in terms of the assessments that are, are going on. Um, there's some analysis. I don't know the specific study, so I'll have to get you that one, but there's some analysis around, uh, I think UL, ULI may have done a study recently, um, Urban Land Institute, about properties and that electrified properties have some higher um, values. So there's a lot of reasons for that. It can also reduce operating costs. Our um, offering includes um, financing and our, our lease um, which is generally 12 to 15 years against the life of the equipment itself, includes operations and maintenance. So it can reduce operating costs for a property owner. Um, it can provide safe, you know, um, peace of mind for a homeowner around making sure that they're going to have that annual maintenance of their equipment. And if something goes wrong, they can call someone and they're going to have great service. Um, so, so those are positives as well beyond just that comfort and performance. Um, I think definitely people who are climate concerned are hearing about this, but there's also people who are just interested in newest technology um, and early adopters around that. Um, Block Power is really excited to work with all of them. We're also very, very focused on delivering our services to property owners and residents in low and moderate income communities, which are historically overlooked and disinvested and um, oftentimes are at the tail end of sort of the adoption curve. And we're trying to say, let's center these communities that are most in need of greener, smarter, healthier buildings that are suffering from environmental injustice, environmental justice issues and climate justice issues and deliver the new technologies to them first. Let's create jobs in these communities, which is part of what Block Power does with our building electrification and our workforce development programs. And and, and, and make this a, an opportunity to address historic inequities and economic inequities and racial inequities while we're also addressing climate change. Because all of the issues are intersected, as you were talking about around biodiversity mm -hmm. and waste streams and climate, economic injustice and racial injustice and um, environmental, yeah. it, all of these things are, are interconnected and not just by accident, by design. And so it takes intentional... Um, pointed, audacious work um, to develop new models and challenge the status quo and say, let's do it differently. And um, that's a lot of what Blockhouse is doing. And so the lease offer allows for that. Our financing is non-predatory. There's no lien on the home. It's um, secured against the equipment itself. Very flexible in terms of our underwriting criteria, looking holistically at not just a credit score, but also a utility bill repayment history um, and other um, financial factors around the property itself. We don't want to put more debt on a property and risk anything like that because that's another injustice that happens and um, in low and moderate income communities as well. So uh, trying to weave yeah. together all of the different tools that are necessary to bring these technologies, not just to people who are interested in early adoption, not just to people who are interested in, you know, super concerned with climate, but who are also needing to really center their bottom line and their wallet and their cash flow and really needing to, um, you know, who will benefit from these greener, healthier, smarter buildings, but don't necessarily have access to the tools necessary to um, navigate the systems for that. And so we're really looking to circumvent those barriers and bring these tools uh, and services and, and technologies to people in communities that are historically lacking them. I'm just like blown away, impressed. Like the, like you guys have really thought through this from like every single angle to make sure you have this, this giant one package thing that solves this major problem that we have. And I'm just excited to see only eight years into the venture. I'm excited to see this company grow and expand across the whole country because like I'm just like thinking like this is exactly what we need like right now. And when you integrate the um, the, the climate justice piece to it too. It's very interesting. So can you draw a distinction between the, the leasing opportunity versus the financing opportunity and which one is the same like thing. $0? Oh, it is, it is the yeah. same thing. Okay. Yeah. So we have a $0 down um, lease, uh, much like a car um, lease. You can put money down if you want to reduce your monthly cash okay. uh, obligation. 
it is not going to go on your balance sheet as a property owner. You're not going to risk your, your, your property itself, like some PACE, uh, residential PACE offerings, which have been known to be predatory and have actually cost people their homes. Um, and it is uh, a 12 to 15 year repayment term so that we can stretch out these upfront project costs, which are a huge barrier to these retrofits um, because these uh, types of equipment and the, the labor necessary for it are still pretty costly in a lot of ways. And the costs are coming down, but you know it's expensive and it can be a real barrier. So stretching out the cost of that over the life of 12 to 15 years um, is makes it a, a, an incredibly accessible financially proposition uh, and a more accessible proposition for many, many more people. Um, I'll also add that Block Power is able to underwrite not just electrification, but energy efficiency um, measures as well as health and safety measures. So we've done work like lead and asbestos remediation um, and and fixed roofs, things like that that are necessary to bring properties up to code. A lot of buildings in some communities have deferred maintenance because it can be very expensive. And so if we can help finance those repairs as well as part of this uh, electrification and decarbonization, really making these homes and buildings smarter, greener and healthier um, for everyone, uh, it, it's a benefit and it's a win-win. So we're excited to be able to use our financing for more than just the specific appliances themselves, but the holistic needs of a home or a building. It's so incredible. I, I, I've never heard of anything like this. Who, who is the who is the lender that's providing this financing? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, Block Power's uh, founder and co-founder have really thought long and hard and worked with some uh, incredible teammates at Block Power and colleagues and um, supporting uh, stakeholders outside of Block Power, including Goldman Sachs, uh, was the uh, one of the first uh, large. Um, debt providers to the company. We also received um, in uh, funding from um, Inclusive Prosperity Capital, IPC, uh, which spun out of um, the Connecticut Green Bank. Um, we've been able uh -huh. to crowdfund some um, debt um, through- uh, You guys are doing this in-house? Uh, Raise Green is uh, one of our crowdfunding platform partners. And then uh, Microsoft, wow. um, their climate fund also recently gave us some um, debt to use to finance these uh, these retrofits. Additionally, we're in, um, I think it's the third phase of the um, DOE's loan program office um, uh, application process for um, further low cost debt to lower the interest rate even further for this uh, these lease leases so that we can um, extend um, our offerings even further into more and more property owners. So we're very excited about that. Wait, so when I go to Best Buy and I apply for a credit card, the credit card is is provided by Citibank. Are you saying that, that your, your company is actually providing the financing to the people who are buying who are buying these retrofit projects? Yeah, we have everything in-house. It's really exciting. So we're able to wow, offer that's in the, insane. Yeah, the financing, the design, the construction, the operation operations and maintenance, everything from soup to nuts. Um, so we really think we're making it feasible. Um, and I think it's just like it's a super complicated process. And so by being able to bring all of these disparate parts together and making it a lot easier for a homeowner to make a decision and to navigate this and to save headaches. Um, I think we're really going to be able to scale decarbonization um, to all the buildings that need it in this country. That's Let's our hope. That's go. the goal. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, the absolutely. that's the plan. That's awesome. So so how popular has this service been over the last eight years? And do you have any idea how large like the addressable market is? I guess you said like 122 million dwellings. I wonder if you could kind of shed some light on that. There's 125 million small and medium buildings around the U.S. Um, there, that's not including um, industrial and sort of like skyscrapers, which aren't buildings that mm -hmm. Block Power works in. Um, but, but the 125 million 
um, buildings is what we're looking at. So that's, you know, single family, multifamily, mixed use, small commercial, houses of worship, schools, um, all sorts of uh, different types of buildings that um, we're able to decarbonize. Um, I can't remember your early first question though. Tell me what the first part was again. Oh, I, 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 th- I throw out all, all kinds of questions. I mean, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's the number of buildings. Um, and I think we're, um, we're, we're going to use our software and our financing to expand um, across the country. As I mentioned, we're in New York and, and, and a lot of other places, California, the Southeast, mid-Atlantic, Colorado coming here, all that. Yeah, I think the answer, I was just asking about the addressable market. I think it's kind of any home that needs to service. I guess I was asking how, how popular has it been with customers? Initially? There's enormous demand for this. Um, people really um, want to find these tools. I, as, a, as, a, as a personal anecdote, um, uh, about three years ago at our house here in Colorado, this was before I started working at Block Power, um, and they weren't operating here in Colorado. Um, I, um, our HVAC was um, dying and I was, I mm-hmm. think, six or seven months pregnant with our youngest and we needed a new system. And um, I told my husband we needed an all electric system and he called and called and called and called and could not find anyone who could do it. And so we ended up having to replace Mm -hmm. it. I'm so sad that we have a gas heating system still. I'm going to try and figure out how to circumvent that sooner than later. But um, I know I can do it through block power very soon. Um, But it's not easy. I knew about the equipment, but I couldn't find a contractor to do it. And I didn't have the wherewithal to navigate, you know, doing it myself, certainly. So, um, people want this and being able to find a company who they can trust, who's going to stand by it, who's going to stand by it for 12 to 15 years and be there for operations and maintenance and, um, help with this equipment, make sure their homes are, you know, obviously this is the, a, a climate focused podcast. And so make sure they're not greenhouse gas emissions, but make sure there's healthier indoor air, make sure, you know, you, you've heard about the air quality issues from gas stoves. It's enormous. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and people are enormously concerned with that. So making sure that those things are possible and that they can find trustworthy contractors and they can navigate, uh, the financing for it. Um, uh, there's a, a lot of excitement and, and, and demand. So as I mentioned, we're in New York, we're in California, we're in the mid-Atlantic, um, down in the Southeast, expanding into the Midwest. Um, and we get calls from all over the country. Um, we get international calls. People want this and they don't surprised. always know. Yeah. They don't always know how to find people who will install this. So, I think something that's really important that we haven't touched on is, is the contractor network and the workforce necessary to deliver mm-hmm. on these transitions. Um, and I think that's part of what Block Power is willing to do is, you know, work with the national manufacturer accounts that we, that we have with um, HVAC companies and hot water companies and find all the local contractors who are, whether it's diamond, preferred or certified platinum or whatever it is and make sure that we're bringing the contractors with expertise and know-how into properties to do this. Um, and we've heard stories of, you know, there's sometimes, um, state or local or utility funded, um, incentive programs to pay for electrification projects. And we, we help property owners capture those. Um, oftentimes those programs, uh, in order to lower the, the project costs, which is super important, oftentimes those programs will have like a list of contractors who you can work with and call. We've heard stories of people who've tried calling those contractors themselves and been told by the, been recommended by those contractors to do a gas furnace replacement or even an oil boiler replacement, like for like, um, 
even though it's an electrification program that they're being called through. So, so it can be difficult to make sure that the design of the project is being designed to spec to electrify, that the actual equipment is being delivered and purchased and delivered that's electric and it's sized correctly and the incentives are being captured correctly and um, all, all of that. There's just so many steps. It is not straightforward. And that's what Black Power looks to do. And so there's an, an enormous demand. Well, there clearly is. Cause I know, I mean, I work in the industry, these water heaters and furnaces are kind of pooping out every day. If they have a, a certain amount of lifespan, whether it's yeah. 15, 20 years, it means that every day there's another one that's dying and there's another opportunity for someone to utilize your service, which you've obviously put insane amounts of effort into making it as easy and accessible as possible. And like I said, I'm very excited to see it expand. Is is there um, beyond just like contractors and maybe like, I suppose, utility providers, is there collaborations with like nonprofits or like government incentives that your company is utilizing as well? Yeah, we collaborate with a lot of different stakeholders just because we're the ones, you know, we're the one stakeholder who property owners work with for the actual project. Block Power can't do this work alone and we don't ever aim to. So we... Um, know that utilities and municipalities have enormous stakes in the states, um, uh, the federal government, all of them have goals around greenhouse gas emissions reductions. Um, some of them also have put money into that. And so, as I was mentioning before, we help property owners navigate available incentives from all of those stakeholders. We um, are also working to find different ways to bring philanthropy and um, other stakeholders to the table who um, have interest in the outcomes that these types of projects deliver. So whether that's workforce development, whether that's you know creating new jobs and building high road path, paths to high road jobs in communities where people have been disinvested, um, whether that's um, greenhouse gas emissions reductions or improved indoor air quality. There's lots of externalities that these projects deliver on that stakeholders benefit from that they could put money into. So maybe that's the healthcare insurers and uh, hospital systems who see reduced hospital visits from asthma patients. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that's something that's being explored. There's a lot of really great research and a, a lot of stakeholders in the health public health community who are working on this. And Black Power is really excited to be part of some of those conversations around how do we um, quantify some of these externalities that are <clears throat> positively affected by these um, projects and get people who are benefiting from them but not at the table to pony up a little bit to reduce the project costs and make it more accessible for even more people. Um, and then additionally, in terms of our actual outreach, we work with an enormous number of local community-based organizations um, with environmental justice um, activists and climate justice activists, um, with economic justice um, organizers, with people who are on the forefront of the communities where we're looking to be additive to the work that's already happening and not come in as outsiders and step on any toes or say we know better. We're trying to say we have these tools around financing, around software, around building decarbonization expertise that we want to bring into a community and lend to people on the ground. We wanna make sure we're developing local networks of contractors. We wanna make sure we're um, delivering messages and being collaborative with organizations that have been um, on the forefront in their own communities for decades and they know best about what they need. Um, and, and they just haven't been able to necessarily access all the tools. And so what Block Power is looking to do is collaborate with communities on the ground and community leaders, including nonprofits and community-based organizations. So yeah, we collaborate with all of those stakeholders and more that you mentioned in a lot of different ways. Um, it's one of the most exciting parts of my job is getting to talk to people. It's, it's as somebody who's maybe a little bit of a natural pessimist, I am so fortified by meeting, getting to meet people who are dedicating their lives and their just their long days and their long hours to work and changing things um, that affect people in their homes, that affect the ecosystem, climate. It, 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 it's, um, it's really buoying. 
to see all the the effort and the commitment that people bring to these issues. Um, and and yeah. just like you, it's great to have these conversations. Um, there's people out there just doing really good work, and and it, it's exciting to be at Black Power and to be able to connect with a lot of them. Yeah. What do you specifically focus on as director of enterprise partnerships? Um, I get to talk to municipalities and utilities primarily, but also um, some contacts in the federal government as well as with some corporate and nonprofit partners to find ways to bring our programs to new markets. So our programs are around building electrification, workforce development, as well as community mesh Wi-Fi. because as I mentioned, we look to make buildings uh, smarter, greener, and healthier. Um, so we also address the digital divide by bringing community mesh Wi-Fi to new buildings that's connected to our work because the equipment we install needs to be connected to the internet to be part of the distributed resource grid, um, which I'm sure you've had other podcast episodes on and we can talk about. But um, I, I don't know if I have. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting is I remember I listened to a talk from Elon Musk and he said that... Um, He's done a lot of different talking things, but there, the, the house of the future and the technology that you're specifically installing with your company will allow the home to actually be smart. And if you do like a, a heat map of these single family 2000 square foot homes, people really only use like 30% of their house. You know, you can see the heat walking around. So if we have a smart home that's able to, you know, you don't need to be heating a room that you're not in. And I think the tech that you're putting in will allow the the home to work more efficiently like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's absolutely part of it. The other part is sort of a, a distributed virtual power plant grid. So trying to think of, you know, I know you know about solar and batteries. Um, which is an obvious renewable resource and storage. Um, but HVACs and hot water heaters can also be part of the dispatchable grid in terms, right. not the dispatchable grid, I'm sorry, but in terms of um, grid management. Um, so mm -hmm. if there's, um, say, in uh, the summer, um, there's going to be a peak load uh, coming up and, and, and the utility needs to manage it, People can enroll if they're they have smart equipment that's connected to the internet in programs that will save them money and it gives the utility the ability to maybe turn down the HVAC degrees a few degrees um, when they see the, this peak coming and they want to make sure that there's not going to be brownouts or something like that. Um, lots more use cases for that. That's just like one, but it, it's really cool and it also is another way to save um, property owners money by enrolling them and their equipment in these emerging programs, um, which help the utilities as well. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say is like one thing I love about what, you're, what your company is doing, but it's definitely not one thing. It's just the one that's on my mind right now. There's a list of different amazing things that y'all are doing, but is that anyone can utilize this service, anyone who owns a home. Um, or I guess suppose the yeah anyone who owns a home he doesn't you don't have to buy a new build to to get this technology it can be um, kind of pick and placed in based on your analysis which I think is really awesome has anyone from the team kind of um, thought about integrating this process into like home buying just so people can like get it done before they even move in yeah I think that that's something that we're really excited about and um, we definitely see. Uh, an enormous potential for. There's that window of time when, uh, you know, in, in a lot of home transactions, when a property owner vacates and a new owner is maybe doing a few repairs or upgrades or painting or things like that. And it makes it for um, potentially uh, a, a perfect timing for that type of upgrade to occur and that retrofit to occur. So yeah, that's absolutely an opportunity that we're um, very excited about expanding further into. Um, it's happened just sort of organically um, a few times, mm -hmm. but it's something that we haven't, uh, we certainly have not fully exploited. Um, and uh, I think it, it's something that makes a lot of sense. That turnover is a, is a really natural opportunity. Is that something you hear a lot in your um, transactions or is that something that well, you see a lot? Well, it's what I do. So I'm saying I'm I'm thinking from my perspective, like, oh, we got to get a little get a little partnership going on here. If someone's they're investing all this money, I'm happy to introduce you to our sales team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, my clients specifically, if they're buying a home, 
And you're talking about, especially if it's $0 down and over time, they're going to make, save money and they're going to increase the value of their home. And they're already really cognizant about the climate. If, if they're not in an area, which by the way, as you, as the reason your service exists in an area where there's mostly green homes, cause you know, newsflash, there's not a lot of them. So this is why we need to do these, these retrofits. It would make sense for them to just, you know, buy a home and then integrate this piece and they can really, you know, have this full uh, impact model. And then I mean, there's all sorts of other service providers that are um, allowing them to create really positive impact. So, yeah, I just keep adding adding to my list of cool people. So you're one of them. Thank thank you for coming on the podcast today. I really really appreciate it. Uh, enjoyed the time. Um, do you have any like final pieces of advice for young people who are passionate about building a better world? How to kind of get involved in this movement? You know, I don't think I'm one to like give great advice. I think I've just been so lucky to meet really excited and interesting people doing good work. Um, I think finding communities where or organizations where people are involved and engaged in work that resonates with you is one way to find like-minded people. As I mentioned before, it's not always about your work. It can also be about your you know, community of purpose outside of your job. Um, but I just really recommend uh, reaching out to people. I think in this um, environment where everyone's connected on social media in so many ways, people are open to conversations. And I think if you see someone doing something cool, reach out, ask, ask them some questions, see if there's an opportunity to connect, learn some more. Um, there's so much going on. And I think finding opportunities isn't the problem. It's like picking one. And so just, you know, sure. learning a little bit more about what's around you, what resonates and what excites you and, and what works for you. I think take that time, explore a little bit, have a lot of conversations and, 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 and what lights you up and what gives you energy is what you should continue to pursue. Totally. And that's a great problem to have. That wasn't the case, you know, a decade ago when we were still dealing with the same issues. So it's an uh, awesome time to be alive. And uh, I appreciate you taking some of it uh, with me on the podcast. It's been great. Ethan, I appreciate the opportunity so much. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. All right, everybody. And we will see you next week. Peace out. So if you or anyone else you know is looking to buy or sell a home anywhere in the USA and would like to create thousands of dollars in donations without any cost out of pocket, please visit ccrealty.org today.